the year is 2002. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. I'm Charlotte. And this is my marvelous year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. My Marvelous Year is the podcast from Green Club where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by two incredible, incredible co-hosts, uh, one of which has been writing emails to Oprah since 2002, except he thinks that you can just type Oprah Winfrey into your email address bar and that she'll receive the email. He's been doing this weekly since 2002, has never received a reply. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? I am furious that she has not responded to my pleas to be on the show. And last night, just last night, I decided that I'm going to I'm gonna make her respond. And I'm emailing Joe Biden at JoeBiden.com to get him yeah. to get her to answer me. Because I, I voted for him. I pay, for, I pay his salary with my tax dollars. Right. So... Uh, yeah, hopefully Joe Biden at JoeBiden.com gets back to me soon. Um, well, that's how I feel about Oprah. I, I feel like I pay her salary. Um, <laughs> Chicago native. Mm-hmm. I pay Chicago taxes. Mm. And I feel like yeah, this that is, this is, is probably how she got so rich. Mm-hmm. Don't this you is, think? This is definitely a path you want to <laughs> keep going and down. You also like send uh, $2,000 <laughs> in small bills uh, through the mail and just write Oprah Winfrey on the <laughs> on the mailbox and hope that uh-huh. it gets to her. So yeah, you definitely uh-huh. pay her. No address, just a, yeah. a billfold wrapped up in a rubber band. And I, you know what's funny though? I always get it, uh, a reply that says, you know, return to sender. Return to sender. Address unknown. Except it, I don't get the money back. I just get the rubber band. Every time it's just the rubber band. Um, okay. So we'll, we'll keep working on that, Zach. We'll try to get you the right email. I'm also joined by Charlotte Fierro. She has been accepting dates with all the hottest people in town um, every Valentine's Day. Has multiple dates lined up with all the hotties <laughs> in France and somehow misses all of them. Charlotte We've got to work on this. Too many dates. I feel like you're accepting too many dates. Uh, that's it. Congratulations on getting so many hot dates because that's an achievement in and of itself. Yeah. So here's the thing. I actually just like happen to be near a lot of people like asking each other on dates and I just say yes as if they're asking it to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm collecting them, I guess. I'm kind of a hoarder of dates. Uh, I think I have a problem. A date hoarder. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, who's, yeah, yeah. The, who's the hottest person in France right now? Charlotte. Ooh, oh boy. Um, <laughs> France. I'm typing so many jokes that I could make that only French listeners could. Uh, yeah, do it. Go for understand. it. Understand? <laughs> um, who's the hottest date in uh, in France right now? I don't know. Um, probably. I don't have a good uh, joke. <laughs> Why are you putting me on the spot like that? Jean this? <laughs> Dujardin is number one. Yeah, sure. That guy who I. Who's that? Definitely done stuff uh, since the artist. He's oh, yeah, the he's artist. The movie. 
He's a comedian from like yeah. the OSS. Oh, you movies. know what's the actual uh, like hottest date right now? Going to the movies with your date to see uh, the new Asterix movie? That's definitely not racist. <laughs> sure. I, 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 that that sentence was so layered with sarcasm and irony. I don't know what parts were true and what parts weren't. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's a new Asterix it, movie. That's pretty racist and <laughs> seems very dumb. Okay. <laughs> that's mm. what's How happening. often are there new Asterix movies? Oh, so, huh, coming in? How Is that like a, a common recurring thing? Um, I think the last one was like, so here's the thing, they've, we've been having like Asterix live action movies since like the early 2000s, there's been like, I, I think five of them, and then yeah. like in, since maybe 2015, we've had like two animated movies that were like actually kind of funny and good adaptations, the live action movies are, except for one, one of them is very funny, the other ones are like pretty bad and like full of very French uh, racist jokes. Um, and yeah, it's not, it's not way the, in the new one, they go to China and there are a lot of, uh, yeah, very French joke, very French jokes about China. Uh, it's not great. It's not great. Huh. Huh. So the French have not received word that it is in fact, 2023. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> generally Charlotte, speaking. I mean, it's, a it's a problem with racist. like French comics in general. Like, it's, like there are a lot of French and Belgian comics that have been ongoing since like, the 60s or 70s and their non-white characters haven't changed in the way they're depicted since um including asterix comics so yeah God, charlotte wants to cancel asterix and obelix yep, again sure. uh also <laughs> again. this movie has vincent cassell and marion yeah, cotillard, cotillard cotillard uh is how you say that <laughs> Yeah. Wow, some cinema head you turned out to be. Uh, Can't even tell your cotillards from your cotilliers. Cleopatra, so I'm going to go see this, Charlotte. And I'm going to yeah, laugh sure. through the whole thing just to spite you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, comics, please. Babe, save us. Segway, segway. No, I'm good. Let's just oh. asterisk <laughs> it up. Uh, if you want to find a good reading guide to asterisk comics, if you're like, what is that? Charlotte wrote one for comicherald.com. Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. You can definitely find that there, um, because I, it, according to Charlotte, the comics are much better than than this apparent live Still action racist, travesty but just that's been better. occurring. <laughs> yeah, right, at least you they want, have the excuse of being older. <laughs> if you want a reading order for everything we're covering in the My Marvelous Year Club, you can go to Patreon.com for a dollar a month and get access to our master spreadsheet. But also, all episodes or all issues are in the show notes for every episode. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I kind of feel I'm, like I'm not feeling like put them in the show notes anymore. Yeah, I kind of feel like you know, for a long time we've been like, oh, you don't have to pay to play, and no, we're I not know. just I'm, out I'm for starting your to money. Think about, let's turn the whole thing pay to play. Yeah, right. Yeah, I agree. right. It's just like times are tough. Like, like legitimately, like it's a tough economy. So, so we gotta like, we gotta wring our listeners dry while we got them. Wring them dry, desiccate those corpses, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's <laughs> we desiccate will not be our. Doing that. Our listeners' corpses. You're uh, you got some weird energy today. <laughs> I I have I've, I'm coming off of a cold and I'm achy and apparently just horrible and uh, just like n- nothing I say today. Let, let's just clear. Like it's already clear. It should be clear. Nothing I say today will be fun. Nothing I say today will be clever. Cool. Uh, it'll all just cool. be mean <laughs> and nasty and uh, and terrible. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go that route, and I think probably what'll happen though, if YouTube is any guide, mm-hmm. we'll probably gain like a hundred thousand subscribers. <laughs> like, okay. like if I'm just awful for an hour, right? Mm-hmm. Like, probably yeah. we'll just be super popular now. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's 
basically my, my grumpiness is why this podcast is as popular as it is so speaking of which <laughs> we're uh we're oh, just Spider- threw up just threw up on the table excuse <laughs> me we're covering spider-man blue which is kind of the continuation of the color series by jeff Loeb and tim sale and before we start talking about this i'm just gonna uh put my stake in what i think about this comic and i'm gonna pull out my big old rubber stamp here i'm dipping it in ink and i'm right on this comic stinks I'm putting a big old stinks on the cover of this comic. Now, I think Zach this comic did stinks. just pull out a stake covered mm-hmm. in blue paint with the word stinks <laughs> written very clearly. And he did just slap it on a graphic novel of Spider-Man Blue. Yeah, I did that go is buy a, this uh, overnight shit. That is a hot take. So that I could do that. That is a hot take, I think, I'm, too. I'm a little surprised to I looked stink. it up I'm... and it was like the classic Spider-Man Blue. And I was like, is it? Is it? It just looked... Okay, my theory here... Is like has Jeff Loeb made a name off of just getting paired with great artists who do excellent work <laughs> and carry the thing entirely? Because I think the writing in this one is such—it's a stinker. Like, it, yeah, that's what I said about Daredevil Yellow. Is that like Tim Sale? The best thing Jeff Loeb is get does is get out of the way of Tim Sale. I think yeah, it's yes. like so bad here. Yeah, here's sorry, the thing. Go on. Yeah. When we when we covered like Ultimates Three and Ultimatum uh, for my Ultimate Year. I thought, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's crazy that uh, Jeff Lopes, like, I've heard he's written good comics. Like, I haven't read Spider-Man Blue, but I've heard it's, like, a classic <laughs> Spider-Man. I'm sure, like, this is a fluke. He's written some good stuff. Mm-hmm. No, he hasn't. <laughs> it's well, I, I have to go back Spider-Man for Dark Blue Halloween. Hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang Long, on, long hang Halloween on. and Dark Victory. I got to check out again because I'm like... Are These are lobe just... blows. Yeah. These are some real low yeah. blows coming low in here. Blows. Oh, that's good. I like <laughs> I like Batman the Long Halloween and Dark Victory a yeah. lot. Yeah, me now, too. Yeah. You do like you cannot separate Loeb's success from how flipping good Tim Sale is. I mean that's mm-hmm. it's absolutely I mean, Superman impossible. for all seasons, of course, right? Another Tim Sale <laughs> showcase, right? Mm-hmm. So like yeah. I I'm amenable to the argument that maybe Loeb isn't actually because then you got Batman Hush with Jim Lee, which is a, a real Jim Lee showcase. People don't um, like that, right? Like people kind of <clears throat> think that's a. I, my perception is that people kind of think people that's don't very like stupid. that. There's a there's a critical, uh, what would you call it, reevaluation of Hush that is negative. It's mm. incredibly successful and beloved by fandom. Yeah, yeah okay. I think, and I I quite enjoyed it. Like as it, you know, in in the if you read it in the right window. Of getting into comics, Hush is a blast. Sure, I, I read it. I remember liking it. Okay, but it didn't leave that much of an impression. Like uh... it's one of those comics where if you're deep already in comics and you read Hush, um, it can you you'll nitpick it right, and you'll you'll be like, well, this is just a villain of the week showcase for Jim Lee, and you won't be wrong. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not a, a pretty good starting place for a lot of readers. Uh, okay, Spider-Man Blue. Let's do this. We're t- the gloves are off right away. I love mm-hmm. it, Zach. Let's delete the first eight minutes of this podcast because that was <laughs> shite. And let's uh, let's just talk Spider-Man <laughs> I know, Blue. That's what I was tr- and you were like, no, no, no. Let let's languish in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Um, okay, I don't. The only reason to read these color series from the early two thousands, which are pretty beloved, I think, um, is for the Tim Sale art. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the only reason, especially, okay. I think especially, I mean, there's two reasons. There's two reasons to read. The one in primary is the Tim Sale art. The second is you're actually not that familiar with these characters. If you're a newer reader and you haven't done the My Marvelous Year journey and you didn't read this and you haven't read the Silver Age, you know, stuff, that's probably a better place to be 
to pick up these graphic novels because these are just retellings, you know? They're just mildly modernized retellings yeah. of Silver Age comics that are better. Yeah. You know, that's, but are written in the style of the 60s. That's what I are kept they thinking. better, though? Like, are, are no, no, these... no, the Silver Age is better. The Silver yeah, Age is better. Sure. Let, yeah. me, let me... Like, Lee Dick... Oh, I think Lee Dicko and Lee Romita are way better than this. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what that's what he's saying is, like, yeah, yeah, okay. the originals are better. Yeah, because I, I didn't think this reading Daredevil where I didn't read those Daredevil comics and go, man, I wish I was just reading the original Daredevil comics. Right, but that's maybe a little bit because, like, I think those were... The Daredevil Yellow was slightly better. And also the Daredevil original Stan Lee stuff is not that hot. But this time, the whole time, I was like, I would be getting so much more. Like, all the stuff that he's bringing here is just in the original. Like, he's not really even, like, fleshing out the characters that much. Like, there was... Yeah, um, right. Man, there was, like, one character moment where I was like, this is an interesting addition to kind of, like, the character building. Of the Oh, it was after... It was Peter saying something about something how the else. death of Gwen... Like, because after Gwen died, Mary Jane kind of, like, steps up in the comics. We I think we all remarked about how, like, much we kind of liked the, the pivot of, like, Peter was being a real bully. And she was, like, very patient with him and, like, very kind and very understanding of, like, what he was going through. Um, and I like that he, uh, Loeb here, mentioned something like, it was like a wake-up call to Mary Jane, right? That, like, <clears throat> life isn't one big, like, dance party that we all, you know, we all need to grow up and, you know, whatever, just... Uh, but we're not going to live forever. So, like, I thought that was, like, additive, I guess. But besides that, I was like, all the character stuff you're doing here is just in the original. Like, and it's not better here. And yeah. I actually think it's pretty stupid here. <laughs> like, he has many, many lines. And I, I don't want to dive too much into, like, specifics. There are many lines here where I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. You're just saying something. Like, that the, the opening page where, like, Spider-Man lays out his philosophy where he's like, my life, in my life, I've learned bad things happen after good things and you only get good things after bad things happen and i'm like i guess that sounds like something but that's nothing that's not a real thing that's comic books that you're you're referencing the fact that comic books have ebbs and flows of traumatic events and then letting off the tension for like the reader's relief rather than a life philosophy that's not like ugh. It, i just continually kept going like that just sounds like something <laughs> but it doesn't actually mean anything um yeah, so t two thoughts so of what you yeah. just said. Yeah, yeah, one please. is, I fully agree that if you're going to read any of these... So Daredevil Yellow is the one that I think has the most worth, because mm -hmm. I think it's kind of the best, but I also think like that Silver Age is just less hallowed ground, you know? So it's it's less likely that you're... Yeah, that you're as obsessed with, like, oh, man, i got to go do the Silver Age Daredevil binge. You know, like, it's a better way... It's it's You could make the case that you're like, hey, instead of doing that, read Daredevil Yellow. You know, and, and it would not be, you'd miss the origin of Soul Man, so, like, it would be the wrong answer, but, like, you could argue that, right? <laughs> Hulk Gray, which I'm not going to include in the reading list, but which is the other part of this color series from this time period, um, that one's even weirder, frankly, um, and actually maybe takes more swings in terms of, like, adding to the picture of really painting the Hulk and Bruce Banner as, like, this domestic violence situation with Betty, um, mm. Like it's at least yeah. a direction I, that is trust, that is a choice. I trust Loeb though to handle that. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, like the only thing yeah. I know about Hulk Gray is that it <clears throat> focuses on Hulk and Betty's relationship, and like that from Loeb, <laughs> that's not. I don't want to see. Like that. <laughs> I said, it's not on the list. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we're not going to waste our time with it. Um, but that one at least it makes a choice. Uh, Spider-Man Blue is is so purely flashback nostalgia comics, um, and yeah, it just doesn't have anything to add. Like I I genuinely skipped over probably issues three through six dialogue 
I was purely looking at Tim Sale. Um, which I think is which, fine. I, I think you're not missing yeah. anything. Like, well, I'm not just... because I read them before. <laughs> I oh, know well, these stories. Yeah. I you think know, I have like, too, actually, in the past. I, no, no, I, I mean, like, is... I, I actually meant the Silver Age there, but I've done Spider-Man Blue before as well. Oh, oh, but... yeah. <laughs> right, yes. It, it It's kind of like... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of works with, <laughs> with that dialogue. I think uh, Dave, uh, pioneering new ways to enjoy media. Uh, you, you watch the MCU without sound. You just read comics without <laughs> reading the dialogue, and, uh, and actually you get more. I don't it. exclusively watch the MCU without sound, right? Well, I, I would say watching Black Panther without sound would be a mistake. You miss out on the Kendrick Lamar soundtrack. Okay. Mm, um, Moon Knight, turn off the sound. You don't need it. Trust me. <laughs> just just read the captions yeah. it's better what? No, it adds to the suspense Oscar Isaac's incredible British accent like you can't <laughs> yeah that's true that, that <laughs> weird voice oh, it's a great show I yeah never talk, talk about that anyway it's just it's dumb I, I can't think of another word besides like it's just kind of d- dumb and I feel like sometimes like a comic book writer who doesn't write too much can get kind of just get away with writing like empty like just empty platitudes Th- this comic ends with one of the stupidest sentiments, like I've read in comics, where he's throughout the the comic, or um, Peter Parker is like recording a tape to Gwen. He's like narrating their love story, you know, to Gwen beyond the grave, just kind of like putting his thoughts down. And the early last podcast, thing... honestly, yes, right, very early. <laughs> yeah, pod. this would be a podcast now. The last thing or he would, uh... <laughs> sorry, I was thinking about Charlotte and I talking about SoundCloud rappers yesterday, uh, and who would. Uh... Which Marvel hero would be a SoundCloud yep. rapper? <laughs> oh, Peter's uh, Peter's SoundCloud would not have been a fun place to visit. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he writes, or he says, I guess when I try to sum up how I feel, how I get, how I feel sometimes around this year, dot, 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 I feel blue. Not like I've been dipped in the tidy bowl, man, but like in music, in jazz, in feeling blue. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the summation of this whole series. It's it. It's tying it into the title. It's explaining what the title means. And it's just saying, when I think of you, Gwen, who died, I feel blue. Like jazz. <laughs> like like <it's>... jazz. <laughs> Whoa, some Bob Dylan there? <laughs> no, it's the B movie. That's a meme. Come on, man. No, that that's a Gen Z thing. Uh, the, it, it, I mean, it came out during my generation, but being into the B movie is a Gen Z thing. I don't. I'm not it. No, making Charlotte. Movie Charlotte, I am totally with you. Thank Zach you. is showing his age. Thank you. I just want to <laughs> make sure it's clear. Zach is the old man, not me. Uh, I guess yeah, Charlotte no. Was six when it came out. But. So the so the interesting commentary here, I think, is like, okay, why do people love this? And it's because Tim Sale's amazing. Every mm-hmm. time a villain shows up and we get to see Tim Sale's interpretation, I'm su- I'm like genuinely excited, mm-hmm. like to be yeah. to be yeah. basking in that art. It's really great. Um, but the other part of it is, you know, comic fandom loves nostalgia. Um, comic fandom loves the idea of comic fandom loves the idea of the pure love of Peter and Gwen more than the actual reality of like their romance. You know, mm, like the yeah. idea. Oh, you're gonna be saying of, the same thing when we talk about Sin's past. <laughs> <laughs> I just want, I'm gonna cop. I'm gonna cut what you just said right there and paste it into the since past episode because that's exactly right, Dave. You got it. You well, you know what right though? I mean, it it is. This is if since past is the end of the spectrum that is you know in the dirt and and the mud, then this is the end of the spectrum that is you know has the halo above Gwen's head, right? And and the the clouds are parting and the sun is beaming down. Like this is. 
perfect, pretty, beautiful, un- unfailing, pure mm-hmm. Gwen. But she's also yeah. not right? a character. Like, neither... Does like, nothing with her. She doesn't... Yes. And, like, it's crazy to me that something that is so focused on, like, what Peter feels from having lost Gwen does nothing with their relationship. Like, it's, it's not even a relationship. Like, it's... They do they date like they kiss once in the comic and they uh, we don't actually see them really dating, being a couple, being in a relationship. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. she's not a character. She's just like kind of a piece of meat, same as MJ. Like it's very, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's not. I I feel like it's kind of worse than it is in the original like Lee Ditko Romita comics because like Which she's not that much of a character back then, <laughs> but she's. She has kind of more going on than she does here. Um, yeah, it's crazy to me that we had to wait until 2015 or like a bit earlier if you count the ultimate Gwen to, to have Gwen be an actual character because she's not that in like Spider-Man comics before then. Like she's not a character here. She's just something She's just something that Peter lost and not someone, something. Mm. It's, mm. yeah, it kind of sucks. Which is the absolute worst outcome, I think, for telling the story. Yeah. You know, is you have a chance to like cement why that's such a significant loss, and instead, it's just absolutely basking in in platitudes. And I mean, truly, nothing for Gwen. Absolutely nothing beyond just like Tim Sale pinup art. Um, yeah, I, I'm not willing to go quite as far on the Loeb front. I think he's a popular punching bag these days because he managed Marvel TV quite poorly towards the end there's accusations of racism um with the daredevil season two production i know at least maybe more than that iron fist obviously was a disaster mm-hmm. yeah. um I, I i don't think it's quite you know because you kind of have the same thing with like warren ellis where it's like okay he's an abuser and there's all this evidence um and you kind of want to like retroactively be like uh, there's a there's a motivation to be like well and his comics also stunk and it's like well that wasn't true like actually i really liked a lot of them and still still have them ranked highly i think with Loeb, you know there's a temptation to lean that way i i do still think batman long you accusing me of of ethical unethical criticism dave because no i i I didn't even think of that i forgot about that part about the like the racism stuff which is true but uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, no, um, that is not. I mean, that does. No, I just. That, I think it's. He's a popular punching bag. Everything's post ultimatum. Yeah. Even if you just do it on the, on the comics writing front. Yeah, ultimatum. You know, you know, is is the thing that makes you think like, oh, maybe this makes you try to like reevaluate. You know, post talk. It's um, like it. It is for me. It's a lot like. Uh, well, no, it's a bad example. Um, but anyway, it's. Uh, I I like the early Batman stuff with with Sale a lot. I mean, there is no, there is absolutely no case for being like, oh, well, he, no, he proved. He could do it without Sale and Jim Lee on X. Like I don't, I don't think that example exists. <laughs> so yeah, that's in many a, ways was benefited <laughs> from working with incredible artists. You it, know? it genuinely made me want to read because I've read Dark Victory and Long <laughs> Halloween a couple times, and I've always really loved it. But I haven't read it in maybe ten years. Um, it really made me want to go back to those to be like, is there really much there besides like the incredible showcase of villains from Tim Sale? Um, yeah, I think so. I actually kind of think probably <laughs> like i'd be surprised if i read them and i was like no these actually stink and it's just tim sales art but um, i liked that framing i liked that mystery um, yeah 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 certainly that, that's at the time my thought too so. I, I think it works still it's it's inspired a lot of batman media that's been pretty good certainly uh but yeah i mean the color series i think is it's something that definitely i held in high regard uh part of that was because i i heard it held in such high regard and you know share those feelings but definitely now 
I, I think post Memorial this year club, especially it's just like, I don't know. It's like, why am I reading this? You know, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. this isn't adding anything. Um, which is really disappointing. I, I, I mean, I could still see the argument for like, well, you should hand this to somebody who hasn't read too many comics. Right. And, but then it's like, well, why wouldn't I just give them the Lee Ditko stuff and see if they want to try the Silver Age? Yeah, I mean, that, I'm also you know? sure it had more value in, like, a pre-Marvel Limited age where you yeah, don't have yeah, as totally. easy an access to those early issues. Uh, like, having a new series that is easily available in shops uh, that retells that story has, like, has a usefulness. Uh, but, yeah, it's... In 2023, it's hard to really see the, the any kind of value in it that isn't in the original issues. Um, yeah. All right. Let's talk then about some Spider-Man comics that do actually move things forward. Let me just pull out my big stinks rubber stamp again because, uh, boy, just like Dave, what? you weren't he- you weren't here on the Put first that JMS. Filthy steak away. That is unsanitary. It is uncooked. Okay. You weren't here for the first episode. We talked about JMS Spider-Man, but you're putting the stinks on JMS Spider-Man. No, I'm taking the stinks rubber stamp and I'm I'm throwing it in the trash for this one. I'm okay, good. No, this, <laughs> okay. Is, this is very good. <laughs> yeah, we read uh here we read Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-eight to forty, uh, mm-hmm. which is we read number thirty-nine because it was included by uh, Patreon backer Dustin. Whoop, Thank whoop, you for your Dustin. Support, Dustin, and then we read Peter Parker. So we got a whole bunch. Of, so we got Amazing Spider-Man. We got Peter Parker Spider-Man, and then we got Spider-Man's Tangled Web. Let's start with AMS. And the JMS, JR, JR run. Um, yeah, these comics are awesome. I, I was thinking, maybe awesome's a little too strong, but like, I just, it's such, once you do it and do it fairly competently, which I think they do, it's just like, yeah, what? It's so much better when Aunt May knows he's Spider Man at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is so yeah. obviously a richer universe and a better story. And it makes Aunt May so much more interesting than we talked, the perpetually. We just did like you re- well we talked a lot about how like it just changes aunt may's personality here entirely right yeah like she goes from being you know kind of a doddering senior citizen to like a functional adult <laughs> there's actually something a little i was i was talking in the last episode about how like you know this kind of throws out the idea that you can't just like tweak the canon because it just does it just makes aunt may like a competent fully <laughs> cognizant adult uh, without making her, you know, 40 and super hot, right? Well, without making her 40. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but the the thing that it, there is, there is a little, I, I said that last time, the last episode, I'm like, you can just make changes and it's fine. And as long as you just sell it, it doesn't feel too abrupt. There's one thing in this, these issues where I was like, well, okay, because they were like, she says something like, Peter, you could have told me like, I'm not a delicate little flower. I could have handled it. And I'm like, well, to be fair, like, anytime anything spooked you, <laughs> you know, Peter would be like, Aunt May. Aunt May, I think I've got the sniffles. And she'd be like, ah, my heart. I'm, <laughs> I think I'm dying. Uh, we have hospital bills from every month from 1963 <laughs> yeah. to 2002 that say otherwise. Yeah, it's, it's a weird bit of retcon of, like... I mean, in the moment, you feel like... Well, she she, she did, though. She she, she was that. Um, but I don't know. I, I kind of like the recontextualization of it being, like, that's the way Peter perceived it, kind of. Um, which, like, I, maybe I'm well, you're, giving you're too much credit to, to the comic. That. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. But, like, I, I, I think it still works in the context of the comic. That would be a funny way to retcon it. 
Yeah. To be like, but Aunt she was, was in like, the hospital many, many times. So like, you can't just. It wasn't. Yeah, all you'd have to. Yeah. N- now you're in <laughs> asylum. He's totally hallucinating territory. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right, I guess. It, yeah. It's like no, she wasn't even in the hospital. Um. Yeah. No. I just. I. I really like this conversation issue, mm-hmm. where Aunt May. You know, she finds the Spider-Man outfit. She comes home, and uh, they have. They finally have the talk. That's by the Spider-Man, and she's. You know, she really gets on him. She's like, just stop lying to me, because he does this thing where he tries to defend it and she's like no i know she's like no i know like there's there've been so many weird signs you know and uh and she knows and she's okay with it and i i actually think it's handled like you know it's it's a big moment you know because it's it's been decades of spider-man stories where she doesn't really know uh and it's handled well and because you have an active yes functional adult aunt may here you know she can handle it and have a conversation and it's good it definitely feels I, I forget the order of operations here, but certainly, you know, you have the Spider-Man movie around this time, right? With, um, it's a couple with of an anime who is, yeah. is quite a bit, who's old, certainly, but is also like capable of adult conversation, <laughs> not just being constantly in the hospital. And yeah. it definitely feels yeah. influenced by that. Um, yeah. but even a little bit more so, mm-hmm. which is, which is nice. I also was like, I don't know that it's great, but like Aunt May at one point is like, you know, you'd you had all these signs of just like you're hiding all these things and really awkward around girls. And like, you know, she was like, I, you know, I thought maybe you were gay. And like, I was, I was totally, you know, ready to support you because you're still you. Like, it's kind of a sweet moment. Um, mm-hmm. cause there's some, it's, it's played a some, little for, a, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I was, like, together, so but it's not when we get to Spider-Man's Tangled Web, there's like, there's homophobia played for laughs. <clears throat> um, I think in some ways that is very early 2000s. No. And I think now oh, it's going to run people wrong. very much the wrong way. Um, and I, th- I didn't think that this sequence quite, I, di- I thought it was like, it was definitely intended to be sweet. And I still reads that way generally. I mean, especially in 2002 to be like, I thought you were gay and I was, you know, I was getting ready to support you in that. Uh, I think it, I think it's fine, especially in the context of the time. And just to put the tangled web, the homophobia and tangled web wraps around actually being very gay and good, Dave, and you're misinterpreting it. It's actually a very gay comic. Um, I think it could have been. Okay, Anthony Bogman, mm. thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Natalie, for those there, thoughts. It, there it could have been. No, I'm sorry, you're Charlotte. Even if, what do you think, Charlotte? Right, we'll, we'll Charlotte get to it is. Later. Let's let's keep this. All right, for now. all right. <laughs> okay. This episode of My Marvelous Year is brought to you by Four Sigmatic Coffee. Four Sigmatic offers coffee ground whole bean, cold brew in pods, 100% Arabica beans, plus functional mushrooms. Listen, I used to be very scared of mushrooms. Okay, I do not trust them. I do not, in my mind, think I like them. But it turns out over the past couple years, uh, one of my favorite pizzas has mushrooms all over it. It's just hidden beneath great Chicago flavored deep dish. And now Four Sigmatic Coffee is tricking me once again into thinking maybe mushrooms are all right. This mushroom coffee is quite good. I'm drinking some of the dark roast right now. It just tastes like coffee. It tastes like a good dark roast. It's really strong. The, uh, the idea here is you get the benefits of coffee and the caffeine boost, and this stuff has a kick, but fewer of the negative sort of dreaded aftermath of coffee things. I have been able to sleep better when I have this Four Sigmatic coffee stuff in the morning. True story. Uh, I have not, because I, you know, you get that too much caffeine going. Listen, I drink way too much coffee, you know, way too late in the day. And uh, and then you have a hard time sleeping. Uh, and, and this stuff, I have not had as much of a problem with that. But I have had that nice caffeine kick from the 
for Sigmatic Coffee. So if it sounds interesting to you, you can support my marvelous year and get some coffee for yourself by going to go.forsigmatic.com slash M-M-Y. Our discount code is M-M-Y, the initials in my marvelous year. You can subscribe and save, get 30% off with the custom podcast code. Again, M-M-Y at go.forsigmatic.com. Um, so, so we have that, that conversation and Spider-Man, you know, and Peter gets to, and Peter's joy in finally being able to tell Aunt May and kind of this moment of being like, oh, I can talk to you like I used to when I didn't have a secret, you know, it's really sweet. I think it's really mm -hmm. nice. I actually really like her, like not really being okay with it, like (laughs) accepting that she can't keep him from doing it, but like... She still has a hard time wrapping her, her head around it. And in the, the second issue that I think wasn't on the original list, I think Dustin did it. And thank you, Dustin, because it's, it's a pretty cool issue. Like, she's, she has a... It's kind of funny, because she has a checklist of things she has to do. Um, and one of the items is trying to forgive Peter, which is accidentally kind of funny. That's, that's on a, an actual, like, grocery shopping list. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's kind of... Sw- it's kind of bittersweet that she he can tell her they can't talk about it the secret is out but like she still resents him and she's still like she's still scared for him and she would way rather he he stopped uh, being spider-man she says like she'll bake him the biggest cake of all time when she when he finally retires from being spider-man like i yeah. like that it's not just as simple as her being okay with it and she has she she's allowed to be more complicated than that and it's allowed to be more messy than that I think that's like a good touch. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see that relationship develop uh, over the course of that run. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. I think the fact that like this is a huge monumental like revealing of a moment of Spider-Man, right? And it doesn't necessarily feel like that because it just feels so like natural and so yeah. like it just works. <laughs> I think I think this conversation just feels <clears throat> like it just hits all the correct emotional beats and character beats and like it's so not jarring and like wolverine origin we just read that and talked about it where it's like the expectations on doing this are so high and you're just looking for like well that's stupid that doesn't add up what does that mean this you i wasn't thinking any thoughts like that i wasn't like except for that one thing where i was like oh no you you definitely could have couldn't have handled this uh but for the most part like i think it just like i think it is kind of a miracle how natural this works and how it's just it just sells this new status quo and uh it's great it's like i think it's it's my favorite thing about the early parts of this run which is it just sells no peter's an adult and he teaches school and Aunt may is a functional adult (laughs) and mary jane's a separated white who is her own person like it just it just moves things oh so gently Mm -hmm. you know towards being like yeah these characters have existed for decades how about we we treat them as such and in ways that just feel like transformative, in ways that Marvel today, without spoiling anything, really struggles with. They really struggle with moving these characters forward. Um, and this run actually gets to do it. It is. It was funny. I was reading these issues again, and I was like, man, if you like, just had you know, kind of the online comics criticism space perspective of this run, which is like the JMS run and all these terrible things that happen, and you're reading these issues, it must be the most baffling experience. Because it's like, what? This really good Spider-Man run? <laughs> what are people talking about? Well, we you talked know? about that like on the last episode, how like it's kind of wild how the JMS run is pretty universally beloved as one of the best Spider-Man runs, but nestled within it are two of the most hated Marvel stories ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, I think wrongfully, but... Um, 
Yeah, well, well, we'll cover it. I'm I'm really excited to get to it within the context. It was wrong for those stories to have been published. Of I, the, I uh, agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm excited to get to it in the context of it because I have not read them in yeah. the context of the full run. So, I do um, also want to give some credit here to the issue that Dustin picked, which is the yeah, enough said. It's, it's a silent yeah. issue. Um, with you know, so John Romita Jr. gets to to really showcase the storytelling. Um, it's a really nice decision. You get three sequences. You get an MJ and Hollywood sequence. And at first, I was like, "All right, Dustin." Like, I know what you're after here. MJ in a swimsuit. Mm-hmm. You know, that all this comic is just MJ in a swimsuit. Black. Black, I say. <laughs> it, um, weirdly, it weirdly does not actually, like, titillate with that. It, it somehow has her in a skimpy black bikini. And I think that's because not... JRJR draws a really, like, anemic <laughs> MJ. <laughs> no, but it, I mean, yes, but, like, it's also, like, it doesn't even try, right? Like, just, it, it, it's kind of an interesting showcase in how, like, yeah, you have to make the decision to be like women just standing around in a Marvel comic are supposed to be there for like the sexual enjoyment of the viewer, right? Like because she's a pinup model, like um, you know, a bikini model modeling right. in a bikini here, and there's nothing right. sexual about like the way that she's portrayed in the comic. Because um, she's just standing there, she's doing her own thing. <laughs> it's not hot. Um, yeah, Charlotte, what do you think? Hot or not? <laughs> <laughs> that's the question of century um no i think it's i think it's really cool that mj especially reading this right after spider-man blue it's really cool that she gets to be a character without even having to talk um in like one third of the issue um like I, it and it's like it being silent sells the distance between her and peter really well in in an interesting in an interesting way yeah um, it does. yeah it's i think it's uh, Really good issue. Um, like May single-handedly deciding to completely change uh, Spider-Man's um, like popularity, <laughs> like making him popular and stopping the Daily Bugle from like spouting lies about him. Like that's it's, funny. Incredi- it's incredibly cute. Like yeah, it's really cute. <laughs> it's her <laughs> being like, but I like that she actually does kind of like jangle because it's a do- like it's obviously a very ineffectual thing to do to walk up to the you know the editor of a newspaper and say like i'm dropping my single subscription because of you know your editorial choices um but, but it's it like she like, knows that you know she's I, not, I think she, she kind of knows it but also it does yeah. like somewhat shake up jjj right like uh i think <laughs> yeah. there's like a moment of him you know you, you can kind of tell that he's slightly like what this is not that's not how it goes like she's been on my side in the past like something's right. changed and you know i think it puts him on his back foot um yeah it's very good and that's an issue 40 we do have to talk about the fact that aunt may thinks you can just type in the name of celebrities it's so funny and oh they will God. get an email uh she just <laughs> types in dan rather <laughs> over Renfrey, uh david letterman and uh and sends them all a very heartfelt email about uh covering spider-man those emails were never received <laughs> let's, let's I just, be very i've been clear. watching uh poker face have you seen that show uh is that the new ryan johnson one yeah, yeah, the new N- Natasha Leon. Yeah, yeah, it's on my it's on my radar. Uh, we were gonna start. It, the it, night. It's, it's good if you like Knives Out. It's kind of like kind of like Knives Out the TV show. Um, not yeah, quite okay. as, I'm in. not quite as clever, but like close. Um, but anyway, at one point she's uh, she's trying to send evidence to like the sheriff's department, and then she kind of hesitates and then thinks for a second, and then you just see she types in FBI at FBI.gov, CIA at CIA.gov. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's kind of the same energy. Like yeah, I'll just even oh actually. I think she does Oprah at... Oh God, am I mixing these two up? I swear 
that she also sends it to Oprah in Poker Face. That's what Aunt May does, right? I'm like, May sends an email to Oprah, yeah. Does she? Okay, yeah, it's also in Poker Face that she sends it to the CIA, FBI, and Oprah. <laughs> I don't think I'm just incepting that. I mean, um, I think Oprah at Oprah.com is a real email. <laughs> it must be because I kind of feel like that's what she did in Poker Face. What a weird, like. Let's send an thing email right now to Oprah <laughs> at yeah, Oprah.com let's, let's, let's and it. see what happens. Um, Maybe Oprah, she'll be Oprah posted that in show. 2011. Um, yeah. That she'd be keeping in touch all summer with her fans at Oprah at Oprah.com. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, like, what a wild thing that that woman has had such cultural staying power. Like, Poker Face and this comic are removed by 20 years, but. It's the same joke twice. Um, yeah. That, she, know, if like, anything, she's got more power. You know. Even, yeah. You know. Just yeah, yeah. than the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if only, if only. <clears throat> um, okay. Yeah. No, these comics are awesome. I really yeah, like this right. direction. Gosh, I love reading Pete as a teacher. Like, just it works so well. He's yeah. um, he's doing something where he's trying to like help out. Um, like, there's <laughs> there's some tornado man stealing uh, like vagrant children. Stealing kids. Yeah, stealing you know underprivileged kids. Yeah, and uh, we'll probably read more of that as time comes. I'm guessing uh, if we. Oh no, we're skipping over that. So if you, I, I mean, this is. I'm going to read the rest of this run. I don't have a lot of sure. tornado man time, <laughs> but uh, I, I quite <laughs> he was, like. He was kind of um, cool. I kind of like the it. vibe. God, yeah, I yeah. said no, I was we'll, going to we'll cover read this run. Dave, this you're going to have to <laughs> give me a little uh, leeway here. I said I was going to cover this on the next episode. <laughs> Unlikely. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it's not as tied into this as it was into the last batch of JMS comics, um, but we didn't have time to cover it last time. It said something I was going to cover about, like, this trope that JMS is playing into when covering, like, inner city crime. Um, and I yeah. called it, like, what, the white token uh, trope or something. There's something where, like, I feel like the, the writers try to dodge trying to seem racist by having their inner city crime gangs be like a bunch of black kids or a bunch of like latino kids or something so they have these like assault on precinct thir precinct 13 like multinational multiracial like rainbow coalition of like criminals uh -huh. um but it's still like they're still black coded often um and it like it's just such an aggravating trope to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? I feel like this has been around since like the 80s in comics. We talked about this with some of the 80s kind of how do we portray crime comics where you know, yeah, like you like even then there was like, well, we better have like, you know, white guys committing mm -hmm. these crimes, but you know, we'll have them use slang of other cultures to to try to sell you on the idea I, of them. So yeah, I mean there's yeah. a lot of muddled I think attempts to incorporate these ideas but avoid the more obvious cliches you know which, which to it. me just I, feels I it's, yeah it sounds like a writer. lazy dodge uh because it's like you're still just evoking like quote inner city crime and then you know that still is just eliciting images of like black and brown crime on like you know the poor white woman walking down the alley and it's just like it, it's weirdly trying to like shirk responsibility for <laughs> feeding into those narratives while also not examining like that narrative at all right so it just well the, i mean the obvious great example in media of this is the wire where it's like the wire doesn't need to pretend you know avon and and stringer's gang isn't primarily black <laughs> you know what i mean like, sure. yep. like they aren't skirting that issue but they're actually addressing it yeah 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 well i mean that that's what i mean right i mean it can't be the wire but like I guess, like, it's a deeper question of, well, if you just 
because it, it's like, well, Spider-Man has to stop criminals and he's in New York City. So what are you, what are you going to do? Right. Like, and then it's like, well, then maybe you should examine like the relationship of superheroes to like petty crime. <laughs> right. But I don't think that really, you know, is a conversation like people want to have or like artists are thinking when they want to just draw like Spider-Man stopping some muggers or some wannabe sexual assault uh, or like rapists in the alleyway. Um, I do think Spider-Man is is actually pretty well suited for a better approach to these types of stories being so street level, but being so empathetic and caring. You know, Mm -hmm. we do see examples in Spider-Man comics of like oh, he remembers this guy's name or stuff like that, where he's put him away before for committing burglaries, but, like, he knows him, and mm-hmm. maybe he's trying to help him. Like, yeah. th- there are approaches, and you're kind of doing, I mean, JMS and, and JR, you know, they're they're doing the white savior thing a little bit, right, of the white teacher helping out the, you know, the, the multicultural uh, kids in his school, but it is also, like, decent representation to have a school you know, an underprivileged school that he's teaching at that does bring you into some of these issues. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's no, really I, I handling think that stuff particularly well or particularly poorly, frankly, so much yeah. as just like it's there and it's, I agree. it's trying I agree. to address yeah. it, you know, yeah. but it's, I don't think it has fantastic answers one way or the other. No, I, I agree. I agree with all that. It, it, this is not like a particularly offensive example to me. It's just something that I was like noticing here. Cause it is a little more at the forefront. Um, it's not like some of the eighties comics that like actually put a bad taste in my mouth which quite a few of those. <laughs> um, yeah. And Peter as a teacher, like we talked about this before, but it's, it's such a good idea, right? Like it's, it's a great idea, right? Cause it does give him solutions other than punching and arresting <laughs> for like trying to help people. Um, yeah. And that's great. So uh, yeah, right. yeah, it works really well. You want to talk about Peter Parker, Spider-Man? I read uh, the wrong uh, comics for this one. <laughs> what did you read? <laughs> I started at 47. For some reason in my mind, I had that it was 47 through 49 i don't know uh-huh. so i read 47 which is the end of this goblin arc and then i read the next two issues which is about like um like a hindi character that this woman this hindi woman who's like is evoking like a hindu god um and then i was like why is dave having us read this like it's fine but this just seems weird that we'd read the end of a green goblin story and then the beginning of this arc but not even finish it that's so strange <laughs> and then i went back and yep. looked sure is um, strange but you know what the last sure uh, the last issue of that goblin goblin story was enough that i was like yeah i, I got a really good idea what happened here so <laughs> yeah, um, yeah i i love um, this paul jenkins run this paul jenkins run people should go back to the beginning of it and read it there's great stuff here i've read this when i was younger when i was in college i read like i think a good chunk of this because i've read this green goblin before um there's some really fun stories in this the jenkins peter parker spider-man is quite underrated yeah, I think I in the early 2000s. He does some really good Green Goblin stuff. Honestly, some stuff that like has been quoted as really influential and you can see it in the Spider-Man movie interpretation. Yeah. In the relationship between Peter and Norman Osborn. It's not like one-to-one, but there's a lot of stuff that is pretty, pretty dark. I mean, it also like, it really kind of salvages and re- restates what the Green Goblin and Norman Osborn's role is in Spider-Man's life. You know, kind of, because like, it is that weird thing where like this character's been dead for decades then they come back after the clone saga and try to steal MJ and Peter's baby, maybe, right? <laughs> like, and then there's like a weird, like, supernatural demon plot thing that happens that we didn't read. Um, but this is just like, no, here's who the Green Goblin is. Yeah, right? it makes like, that do ongoing these. relationship work in a way that hasn't since, like, the 60s. Uh, like, yeah. it, it now there's a new status quo where both Peter and Norman exist and are aware of each other's like secret identities but the story can keep going and there's like 
a weird stalemate between the two of them. And I think the end does a pretty good job of making that work and not making us ask, like, why, why isn't this, like, coming to blows and ending in one way or the other? Uh, I think right. it's, like, cause, like yeah, I, it, it was weird that Green Goblin was just around and not the most important thing in every comic because, like, that's what he should be. Uh, and this, I think, she sells him as uh, being an ongoing presence. And Norman being as threatening as uh, as Gabby and not being just, like, a guy that sometimes forgets his uh, the Green Goblin. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for, for that weird relationship that they have. Mm-hmm. And it sells that tension back in. You yeah. Know? Like, like, when these two meet in person, you know, knowing what they know, but everyone around them doesn't know, it feels tense. It feels dramatic. Well, it's it's setting a Cold War, right? It's being like... And, and Pete, the cool thing about the end of this is Peter, in the end of this is all I read, is uh, Peter, like, kind of calling Green Goblin's bluff and being like, I'm not going to kill you. You're not going to kill, like, your grandson nor me, right? Which is what he's, like, threatening. And if you kill my family, like... I can't stop you. I can't stop you from this, but I'm also not going to kill you. And like kind of calls his bluff here uh, in a really interesting way that like leaves the two of them like up in the air, but in a way that feels believable. The Green Goblin would be like yeah. stale, stalemated by this. Um, I always compare it to yeah. the end of the killing joke um, mm-hmm. with Batman, sure. except oh, well, I actually find this ending more satisfying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, definitely yeah, yeah, inspiration with like, they're both beaten down. And God, I got to call it. What's um, what's Humberto that? Ramos? Ramos? Is that Mr. Ramos? Ramos is that, right, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. They, I love this art style. Um, he does a lot of the Paul Jenkins collab with uh, with on Spider Man, and his art style is like one of my favorites because he does the. Um, it's a thing that I adore in comics, which is a really like silhouette focused art style, where like he draws these big distinct silhouettes on characters, and characters have these like very different body types and faces that jut out, and like you can tell characters from their silhouettes. Kind of reminds me of. Um, you um what's that guy's oh. name um rob gilroy yeah R- gilroy on chew yeah i think it's actually got a ton of or chew has a ton of ramos dna um but uh big exaggerated cartoonish style but oh, yeah I, I, this early ramos stuff too it's like it's not so over the top that it's distracting you know um but it allows for these really exaggerated expressions with especially with the goblin Mm-hmm. I think works incredibly well. He's got these big nostrils and tiny little beady eyes. And then I really like how, like, just little touches. They're both crying throughout the whole fight. Did you notice that? Yeah. Like, yeah. right from the start, like, just, I, I'm assuming, like, from both the emotional intensity <laughs> of this, like, battle, but also just because they're beating each other up, like, both of them are weeping throughout the entire fight. Um, it's such an interesting choice. But yeah, they have the clear moment where they're beaten up and they sit down together and they kind of like Peter Parker's like, you're the only one, you know, who I could explain this to this dream I have about um, like saving people and not being able to because you're the one who killed Gwen and you're the one who put this in my head. So you'll understand. Uh, And they have this moment of like, not connection, but like maybe some mutual understanding. It's it's very interesting how it works. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, and yeah, kind of the killing joke laughing together at... uh, (laughs) <laughs> it's a weird little bit of like maybe marvel trivia i was wondering where green goblin was like initially i was thinking of calling myself mr coffee and i was like is that a stan lee thing did stan lee say he originally was gonna call like green goblin mr coffee or something and that's where that comes from it's so odd uh do you know dave the origin of that i do not yeah i do it's, not it's strange it is funny but like it's so odd it's not like 
kind of would be surprised. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Paul Jenkins is not a big uh, comics buff either necessarily. No, I'm not. I'm not seeing anything here. Uh, so it's when I Google it, the only thing that comes up is this, like this little bit. It's funny. Anyway, yeah, yeah great. I, I think people like like you said. I think an underrated run, and uh, he's going to continue on. Was it Spectacular Spider-Man? I think um, moving yeah, forward, it, which it is becomes a, spectacular. a really cool run. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd encourage people to go check that out. Yeah, it's interesting because I I don't always love Ramos's style on. I mean, I've mostly seen him on Spider-Man. I think, uh, like, but here it's so dynamic and cartoonish in the best way that it's i don't know there's um <coughs> the, the writing style works perfectly with it in a way i could i mm-hmm. wish i could remember what the moment was there's one singular panel where i was like this is the most modern comics thing we've seen where it feels so like it feels so much like a real interaction between characters in a way that we've never really seen i don't know how to explain it or what the the actual panel was but yeah it, it felt very very modern very 2010s in the style not even 2000 like very much 2010s and yeah. uh yeah it was it's impressive how different his style is from the rest of the the marvel universe line and also how well it works with uh jenkins jenkins's like writing style here uh, that's a that's a duo that i, I kind of want to see on the, on other stuff i don't know how much they've done uh of this but yeah i think it, they work really well together and it sells the they sell the relationship between peter and, and norman very very well here i agree mm-hmm. i agree mm-hmm. i think um jenkins redemption arc here after wolverine origin last episode yeah. <laughs> uh which we've generally liked <laughs> jenkins that was kind of the oddball out for like what we've read wolverine jenkins. origin i think is is the only jenkins thing i yeah, guess incredible I mean, hulk we aren't like over the moon about but like i mean i just we like in terms okay, of like being but... ahead of the time and you know modernized comics like inhuman century the spider-man stuff i mean it's mm-hmm. all super it's like super su- influential i think it's surprising how well he slots into spider-man considering like what we read from inhumans and century because those are both like kind of big like almost dc-esque kind of like mythological you know world building stuff in spider-man is not that he's so small scale and the other thing paul jenkins is going to do is like I think it's in Spectacular Spider-Man. I think the beginning of that run is him moving into a new apartment complex. And it's like, and here's 10 zany new neighbors he has. And the comic is just like, uh, I guess the Hawkeye run is a good comparison. But it's like him mm. meeting his neighbors and just slowly building relationships with all these like oddballs. Um, yeah, so it's very small scale and very like personal and funny. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, what a showcase of, showcase of great art here. We have, like, yeah. such good talent, like Tim Sale and J.R.R. just killing it. And uh, and then we're going to have um, Darwin Cook. We're about to talk about Darwin Cook. And then I don't remember who did number 19, but it was also very good. I think it's Jim Mafood. Okay, um, yep. Remembering correctly. But yeah, Spider-Man's Tangle Web, 11 and 19. Uh, this Tangle Web run from 2001-2003 is, like, pretty interesting. You mm-hmm. get a lot of these just odd off the beaten path things from creators who've done some pretty interesting stuff uh in this yeah in this example we get darwin cook doing a valentine's day spectacular in issue number 11 which is if you haven't read it i think it's just like a kind of a perfect spider-man valentine's day story and then uh number 19 is this super off the beaten path grizzly bear and rhino <laughs> story i don't know if spider-man even appears actually now that i'm thinking about it no he beats um, them both up at one point oh he beats yeah, them yeah up and tangles them together and 
because uh, it's the part where I think Rhino is hovering over Grizzly Bear or vice versa, and the other one's like, "When you fall, I'll catch you" or something. Yeah, <laughs> they're in love so with I, each other, Dave. Okay, well, okay, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get to that. <laughs> okay. I don't think I, I don't think we would have had any reason to have Darwin Cook in the MMY club yet. Um, Darwin Cook very famously does some of the best Catwoman comics of all time around this time. Does DC New Frontier, just hailed as as a classic in DC, rightly so. Um, does the Parker series of graphic novels, which are these like crime adaptations, they're great. Um, really, really widely respected and beloved creator and cartoonist and writer and artist. And uh, the Spider-Man Stangled Web, you know, it's got that, it's got a very classic, you know, Mike Allred might be a, a comparative example in terms of that kind of like, mm. oh, yeah. the platonic yeah, yeah. ideal of what you think of when you think of like superhero comics of like the 50s or early 60s, you know, not, and like kind of not really here vibe. though. I, I think you're right, but like here it's like Powerpuff Bur- Girls and Johnny Bravo. <laughs> like, I, I was going to say um, it's very uh, Bruce Tim Batman animated series as well, you know, because mm-hmm. Cook worked yeah, on that yeah, too. Yeah, I can see that. But yep. animation for sure. I, mm-hmm. I think you're yeah, right. Yeah, it's big, yeah. big animation. But this, uh, and it's got, you know, it's got kind of the beats and kind of the comedy of like, of an animated episode, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a Spider-Man vs. Vulture story. You got JJJ cheering on Vulture from the window. <laughs> you got a whole dating fiasco. We get a big focus on J. Jonah Jameson's, you know, coffee boy, his assistant in the office. Vulture gets some at the end of this. Like, oh my god, got... I love the very end of it. Like, oh, it's a good what's gag. His name? Like, um, oh my god, what's Vulture's name? Adrian Toomes. Yeah, he's like, oh, Adrian, let's make love, and that's how it ends. It's really cute. <laughs> it's very like. It's a funny, like, sweet 60s, episode. 70s sitcom, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know JJJ was married. <laughs> this was like when really? his wife was calling. I maybe maybe I did, but she's never really a character. She's always just maybe she's on line one, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah, um, right. So her actually being like a little bit more of a character. I mean, that's still kind of the role she plays here. But yeah, I feel like he um, he often or like she's referenced often, but like I can't remember having seen her in earlier comics in this. Yeah, and it's fun too. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, point. It's. I don't know. I think both of these comics, I was less... I liked them way less than the ones we read for the previous episodes, which was like uh, I, Flowers I for Rhino yeah. and the the, the Incredible King Penny show. Um, yeah. Here's like... They're way more focused on being comedy, comedy, co- comedy comics. Uh, the JJJ stuff is pretty fun. The like... Peter was asked on a date by two girls and he said yes to both and now they're fighting about it. Uh, I don't know. It's not like particularly offensive or not. And by the end, they're, they're just like, oh, we're gonna go like screw him. He's the one who's responsible. Uh, but like, yeah, I don't know. It was it wasn't that funny or anything to me. The like the, the JJJ parts were more funny to me. Um, and then the Rhino Grizzly issue. Uh, I don't know. Was it something? It was really funny. I don't know. Th- right. That one. All right. Let's let's answer the question here. Finally, <laughs> Zach says. The greatest gay story in Marvel Comics. Dave says, playing a little homophobia for laughs. Oh, Charlotte for sure. says, I mean, it is. <laughs> what? I don't know. It's. I mean, I don't think it's particularly offensive or anything. Like, it's just. It kind of has that like gay panic uh, thing going on, but it's it's mostly just kind of weird. Well, I mean, here's the thing. There, There is that. Like, they accidentally, you know, they, they smooch at the end accidentally, and they're both like, oh, gross. And then they're like, okay, well, do you want to hang out? And then they, like, the, I, I just, the flirting at the end really cracked me up. Like, when they're like, um, 
well, Rhino does say, you still going straight? <laughs> um, and then uh, Grizzly Bears want to stop for a bite on the way back. And Rhino says, depends, how hard do you bite? Which I think is so funny. That really cracked me up. Um, yeah. Yes, that's the thing. I don't think it's like particularly offensive or anything. I just, I don't know. It didn't <laughs> hit I, I, the jokes. None of the jokes really, really yeah, worked I for me. It, yeah. it was like kind of, I don't know, it's, it's fine mostly. Um, but yeah, it definitely didn't work. Even the like flowers for Rhino for me were, was kind of more funny because it played out a bit. Here mm-hmm. it felt a bit more all over the place, I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't have much more to say, like even negatively, negatively about it. Just yeah, fine, fine, fun, fun, fun. I do think like that whole series of like different showcases of uh, of Spider-Man villains is a very good idea, whether it be for like fun one-offs or for like the Kingpin issue, which is really good. And I mm-hmm. I wonder how much of it is like just uh, funny stuff, and the Kingpin issue is the exception, or if there's more of a balance there. I I, I think it's mostly. Just, just kind of off the beaten path. Yeah. yeah. Odd stuff. I, I kind of love that it exists. Yeah. You know, I kind of wish this book, like I wish creators today had more of an opportunity to do weird grizzly bear rhino stories, you know? Yeah. Um, like that, just that general premise I think is quite fun. And the fact that it's out there is fun. I, I do think like the whole, it's very much a blob and ultimate X-Men, you know, catfishing beast, you know, energy where it's like, like the whole yeah, gag, is, the whole the whole great. setup is great, um <laughs> you're like, Oh, wouldn't it be funny if it was two guys? You know, I, I think that's like that's the premise and it's not played out super maliciously. Um, but it is kind of just like, well, it could be two guys. <laughs> like I think that's the thing in the early two thousands, like a lot of definitely a lot of creators and writers and just people in general, like we're not like really coming to the to that conclusion of like, wait, no, they could actually date. Like yeah. that's that's very possible and would be fine. You know? As opposed to like, oh, that'd yeah. Be a I mean, funny it's joke. not on the it's not on the juggernaut black term level of um, they should actually kiss. Because uh, <laughs> I think it yeah, is. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I got from the end. Was I was like, I I genuinely I think the comic the comic to me felt like it was like gesturing towards like, well, maybe they're both figuring out something about themselves here. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe. I mean, it's just like juggernaut and black term to me feel more like an actual couple, like from the beginning. Kind of like in the mystic, yeah. Mystic well, that's Destiny way. this is the first time they meet. They just kissed for the first time. You yeah, this feels a bit more like, like uh, two bros <laughs> chilling in a chilling in a hot tub six feet apart because because they're, they're not gay thing. Yeah, except which is, they keep, which is fine. They keep inching closer and closer to one another. Yeah. And <laughs> yep. I, I mean, I Zach, I'm, Zach I'm if being... that story happened, I yeah. think it would be much better. Um, just there's no there's no reason Grizzly Bear and Rhino couldn't be a gay crime power couple. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, God, and uh, um, but Grizzly, you know, as is, Grizzly Bear also you know, sleeps hugging his own suit, which I, I <laughs> love that shot. That, that, that shot was really, really adorable. Gag, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, that yeah, is I, pretty funny. I'm probably overselling how much I like this. I just I chuckled a few times. Yeah, um, it's and, it's uh, nice, and I like and that I these. I like that these comics, comics get to so. exist. Yeah, yeah, me too, and I don't want to cancel them, Dave. Unlike you. Yes, I've I've sure canceled this by raising it to prominence by including <laughs> uh-huh. it on this list. So folks who would definitely never, never have read it. Again. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you putting these on because these were fun. It's a yeah. good time. It's so cool to have Spider-Man. Good batch back of Spidey, again, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it cool to be reading good Spider-Man comics? Like, I have, my enthusiasm for Spider-Man has died like in the past like two years, like of real yeah. real world two years yeah. of reading. You know, the 
80s through now in um my marvelous year because when we started the show both you and i dave were like yeah we love spider-man <laughs> like he might favorite be our character. favorite character favorite character yeah and uh and i i have totally backpedaled on that because i'm like maybe not i haven't read a good spider-man comic in, <laughs> in 20 years um but it's a yeah, really it's nice spidey moment you know because you have the movie coming out and then you have a variety of decent or good spidey runs Mm-hmm, going yeah. on at the plus same Ultimate time. Plus Spider-Man, plus I think the Spectacular Spider-Man show is going on about the same time. So a lot of good... Uh, lot no, of Spectacular's stuff, way yeah. later. Spectacular's oh, later? 2010s. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, fair enough. But, but, just on the comics front yeah, and the movie front, I mean, I, I don't know, I haven't crunched the numbers here, but like, is this the peak of Spidey in the 2000s? It I might mean, be. Sure, well, yeah. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't read the rest of the 2000s. It's I can't early Ultimates. It's, yeah, Straczynski. No, I'm just saying, like, you got, Ultimates. yeah, early Ultimate going on, mm-hmm. which is great. Spider-Man's yeah. Tangle Web is this fun offbeat thing. Amazing. You got Peter Parker transitioning into Spectacular. Spider-Man Blue, which we all loved. Yep. <laughs> His, and then you got the movies at, at their yeah. peak with one and two. I, I think that might be the peak of Spider-Man in the 2000s. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when you have Spectacular Spider-Man... That's I, maybe my timing's off on that. I'm maybe that's late two thousands. I thought it was like two thousand five, maybe. Oh, really? That early? Maybe I'm wrong. Wait, let me check. Two thousand eight. Okay. Okay. So you got Spidey Brain Trust, but that's closer to Spider Man three. So we can't, that's a lot of points off the off the Spidey list there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Kind of kind of the golden age of Spidey right here. I think. Yeah, can't wait for the rest of the 2000s payouts. I know, what a what a sad thought. <laughs> yep. <laughs> in some ways. Oh. I mean, and is it also the height of, like, just modern Spider-Man Bonon? Like, I don't know. What's... No, I don't know about that. There are... Hmm. There's Spidey stuff I like more. Yeah, but, like, just was, individually. It, was there a time where there was, like, that many good stuff going on at the same time? I don't know, 2018 well, I... had both Spider-Verse and the PS4 Spider-Man game. Ooh. But then the comics weren't like, I don't know. But then you have the Nick Spencer run starting. Yeah. In the comic side. Man, this is tricky. Well, and I don't I don't Dance think any of us will pick anything. Well, I mean Superior I mean, Spider-Man. I mean Superior Spider-Man, like, yeah. Quite a bit. Um is that But I don't slot? know what we're I don't know what we get yeah. to combine that with. Do we get to combine that with 2015 is first... Civil War. What about Civil War? I mean it has Spider-Man. I mean, it's Tom Holland's introduction to the MCU. But that's 2016, so I, that's that's well after. I don't Is appreciate it? this very clicky uh, thing happening here, where the people <laughs> who have read 2000s Marvel comics are uh, excluding the one who hasn't. So, and I don't think the listeners are going to appreciate it either. Yeah, they are. You, you, forming, <laughs> you forming a click. <laughs> they are definitely not going to enjoy us. Uh, talking about I, I comics? Think... <laughs> no. Talking about comics most of them have read. <laughs> shut up shut up uh, <laughs> yeah i don't know i think this might be it I, if we if we crunch the data and then I, how far do you have to run it back oh before boy, you um, have another better spider-man era right like 70s, aside from the origins right? like stern yeah like 70s <coughs> probably the I mean, death yeah. of gwen good grief yeah spidey yeah for sure i mean besides that it's been like yeah a couple you know we talked about it yesterday or on the last spider-man episode but the mcfarland michelini stuff is fun Raven's Last Hunt is obviously excellent, but those are like six issues here and there. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Wait, is it Roger Stern? Right? Am I am I wrong there? Not in the seventies. That's Conway. Um, Stern's later. Stern comes maybe late seventies into who the eighties. Who am I 80s. thinking of? Who the follows Stan, stuff. Who follows Stan Lee? Jerry Jay Conway. Conway. Okay, 
but Roger Stern also does it, right? Okay, it is. I googled Stern Spider-Man, and all that comes up is pinball machines, because <laughs> apparently that's a brand of pinball machine, and I was like, okay, maybe I'm imagining this or making it up, but no, okay, it is what I was talking about. All right, so, so the moral of the story, the moral of the long-winded story is Spider-Man will never be better and has never been better. And enjoy it. Well, enjoy it because it's already gone. It just happened. You already read it's the fleeting, ones, so. and it's gone. Uh, we're getting back into some Daredevil next week, which is very exciting. Some Daredevil, the Bendis uh, Alex Maleev Daredevil, which I'm excited for because to actually see Daredevil, because <laughs> that last one was really kind of felt like um like a weird little side story, which I liked, but it will be exciting to kind of get into the actual meat of the run. Yeah. Uh, which I'm hoping happens there. And then Greg Rucka's Electra, um, which we uh, we just read that Black Widow Greg Rucka story, which was okay, and the Kingpin Greg Rucka story, which was pretty good. Um, looking forward to seeing that. Yes, indeed. It falls six yeah. issues by Bendis on Electra, if you're mm-hmm. a huge I Electra that, head. Yeah. I, I, I went and read first. one, and it was not that interesting. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> wow, Bendis is writing Daredevil and Electra at the same time. I should yeah. go check out the Electra comics. And then it was... I don't know. It felt like uh, kind of disposable. And boy, those covers are embarrassing, right? It's There's like a reason actual... I jump it ahead to seven. Yeah, so that's the Greg Horn yeah. covers, who I'm, I'm convinced is not a real person so much as a way to describe very horny covers. Um, <laughs> just, a, just a pseudonym for this cover's real horny. You say it's a Greg Horn. And I li- you know, I like horny. I just, we know. I don't know, if, I don't know if people know that about me, but like uh horny stuff that that can be pretty good but like this this stuff's just awful because it's just like here's a serious comic about a serious woman and then the cover is just like and what if she only existed to give you a boner uh and it's completely divorced from the content of the comic and it sucks it's so dumb next All time right, well i guess everyone I'm, I'm else, uh, disagrees and they love it and everyone loves greg horn yeah i, I just think haven't it's seen those covers so i'll have to trust you on. you should you should oh my god i'm looking at a picture of greg horn and it's really funny <laughs> just that this is the man who's doing it uh he doesn't look particularly weird or anything, this is but... this is his era because he gets to do electra i think emma frost gets the mm-hmm. same treatment oh yeah same thing, which yeah. when you when you then dig into the content of what's in the issues is flipping insane um when these cut co- like it's not <laughs> like, like emma's about like her her in school as a kid and this electra one we're gonna get into is about like women being abused you know and electra trying to help them like when you get into the content and then these covers like it is absolutely preposterous that's what that, i just said i literally just said that and then you just <laughs> you're like anyways someone needs to say it <laughs> someone needs to have the courage to say it okay. and i'm glad it could be me thank, thank you all Dave. right thank you for stepping up <laughs> yeah anytime anytime this uh, is just all right. Greg Land covers. I don't trust any <laughs> artist called Greg with the last name in with the last name in four letters that does female characters. <laughs> that doesn't. That's that's just Greg Land. How are there two guys is that are exactly the same artist? A good Greg. Let me see if. Mm. Oh, the meme of that cool guy smoking a cigarette. Good guy Greg. Forgot about him. I like Greg in Succession. Mm. Like he's not oh, a good yeah, guy, but he's funny. Oh, he's. I mean, he's turning into such a bad bad guy you know yeah but yeah yes he's he's incredible peak greg but maybe i think the hardest i've ever laughed at succession is that time where he's wandering around the house before he's really part of the family and he, there's a little gong <laughs> and he like <laughs> yeah he bangs it and makes some noise and then like one of the maids comes in and he goes yeah oh did i s- summon you 
<laughs> oh my god I, I think it's the hardest i've laughed yeah. at that show so good all right let's end this thing dave take it let's land this puppy no i was gonna ask who's the cousin greg of the of the marvel universe oh. <laughs> uh well rick jones feels like a, a yeah player, a contender but he's not funny enough no he's definitely not <laughs> and he's not nervous um, he's confident which is the problem yeah right like yeah greg needs to I don't know. Let's ponder it. I mean, Peter next... Parker, anytime he's with the actual Ooh. like Avengers, has cousin Greg yep, energy. That's pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah. Like okay. That. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yep. Okay. Perfect. We've answered everything. Okay. Questions answered. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is my marvelous year. You can support us at Patreon.com/slash my marvelous year. Music for the show is by Disaster Peace. You can find all my stuff at ComicCarol.com. You can find the show at my marvelous year online. Um, episodes we're going to read are in the show notes, and you know, probably our next episode will be mildly less rambly, but we can't promise anything. Thanks for listening, <laughs> and we'll see you next year. See you, see you next, next year. year.